Hey everyone, I am super excited to announce a new online program, the Champion Sports Physical Therapy Mentorship. I've teamed up with Dan Pope and Dave Tilly to create this brand new 12-week mentorship program, and we're now opening it up to the very first cohort on June 10th. We hear all the time from people that they wish they had more mentoring and people they can learn from to help accelerate their careers. We're going to take you through all our foundations of sports physical therapy, including our clinical evaluation, working with non-operative and post-operative patients, building return to sport programs, and even learning advanced phase rehab and strength and conditioning principles for rehab professionals. In addition, we're going to have a bunch of case studies, a community, and live sessions to interact and ask us questions. We really can't wait. Check out the show notes to learn more and sign up today. The first cohort starts June 10th. Hey everyone, on this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about shutting down athletes in season, we talk about training to enhance velocity and rotational sports, and we talk about how we manage hypermobile athletes. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everyone, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I am here at Champion PT Performance with everybody answering your questions. I have Dave Tilly, physical therapist here, Lenny McCreener, director of PT. I love that. Did I say your name where again? McCreener. McCreener. You went Boston. That's the Boston. That is your name. McCreener. McCreener, yeah. I can't get it. You're just going to wear a name tag from now on. I've known him for... 30 billion years. A lot of years. So, awesome. Uh, we're joined by one, with one of our strength coaches here, champion Rob Sutton. He's going to help us with some of our strength and conditioning questions today. And then our student uh, crew together here, Evan Eleven and Sir Nixalot. So, Sir Nixalot, let's ask a lot of questions. Uh, Dave from Ohio. How do, you just, how do you decide between shutting down athlete or managing symptoms throughout the season or event? And when deciding to shut down an athlete, what techniques do you use to improve buy-in by the athlete? Buy-in by the athlete. Tie him down. Yeah. I mean, you kick kicks out. Yeah. Straights. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're, I mean, we're in season baseball now, not to date the episode or anything, but we're, we're in season. Yeah. Gymnastics is in season all year round. That's that true. doesn't count. But nationals is so. Season. Um, so kid comes in and sees you today, Landon, his, his arm hurts, whatever. Right. What, what's so your, I had a your kid, criteria? I had a kid yesterday and he came in and he was sore and... Um, to me, you know, normal soreness, I expect, but when you're having pain or you've had it for a while, uh, where are they in the season? How important are they to the team? Um, is it their senior year? Um, what position are they? Can they play another position? Can they go from second base to first base? Um, but to me, true pain and like a, a sharp pain, something that's really, that jumps out at me that they've never had, um, that's kind of a red flag to me that I need to either shut them down from pl- from throwing if it's baseball uh, or modify in that they can hit but not throw. Um, and you just got to really sell it. You just don't, you got to let them know what the implications are down the road if they play through it. Uh, some kids, I'm not going to lie, we, we allow to play through a lot of stuff. You have to. You can't shut everybody down that has, that feels something. So it's the kid that pre- presents with that pretty sharp type pain that is, you can tell, you can read in his, in his mannerisms that it's just not normal for him. You know, yeah. they, they know pain and soreness. They know the difference. Yeah. there And there's, you know, there's, there's 
red flag spots and yellow flag spots. Right. right. If somebody comes in and points right on their UCL right. of their elbow, we're yeah. probably going to say, you know, no. Right. But, you know, to Lenny's point, I think there's a big difference between a high school sophomore right. that's in the first week of the season versus a professional athlete that's one week away from the World Series and they're trying to make it. <laughs> right. So there's, I think there's a big difference between, between those two. So there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, the, the, so everything Lenny said is fantastic for the thought process i think another thing you got to consider is what's in the athlete's best interest and i know as, as simple as that sounds you really have to, to to think that way because whatever's in the athlete's best interest is going to be what's in the team's best interest and that was one thing you know we, we really stressed that you know back in the days with different teams that whatever's in the athlete's best interest is in the team's best interest so i i think nowadays in professional athletes it's it's the buy-in component to answer your second half of the question is a little bit easier because it's very obvious if you're not a hundred percent not only are you going to perform well but you're not going to help your team you know and then you're at risk for greater injury and then really missing sometimes i think the buy-in is pretty pretty easy nowadays but um you know you got to realize there's a lot of pressures on these 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 guys and, and gals to get back into their sport i mean i in, in my setting we used to always literally in our heads think if this guy misses a game tonight that, that we're paying him a hundred thousand dollars to play in tonight's game do the math right think about that playing a hundred thousand dollars to just get four abs tonight you know, it's like kind of like the thought process right there. So from a business standpoint, somebody wants them out on that field, you know, but from a you know, medical perspective, you have to think what's in their best interest. You got to kind of put all those together. So it's a complicated question, but yeah. you got, you got to have red flags. You got to say, hey, here's certain things that you can't play through, yeah. you know? So in your sport, it's going to be very obvious, but you, you definitely can't go through those. And then the other ones you just manage and you do your best job. And I think it comes with experience, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. Pretty good. All right, good. What's number two? Nihar Palan from India is a physiotherapist and strength conditioning coach for the state cricket team. My question is, how the workout training ratio should be divided between upper body, core, and lower body to achieve higher velocity and at at the same time to avoid injuries? Okay. All right. So how does... You know, how do you build a training program divided by upper, lower, and core to enhance velocity, we'll say. You just kind of keep it easy. So, yeah. Rob, do you, can the upper body, lower body, and core all help build velocity? <laughs> Set them up. <laughs> Pretty Set obvious, up. right? I think, uh, in short, yes. Uh, I think that's what we're looking for there. I mean, I think, like, when we design our, our, our programs based on, we'll say, our, our baseball athletes, or I guess for, for any athlete, um, Everything is pretty, I'd say pretty even overall. We're getting, we're getting lower body, we're getting upper body, we're getting core. So that's all in there. Um, I think we, I guess speaking in baseball, I don't know the finer points of cricket, but, I, but I've heard Similar. similarities. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Rotational you know, throwing right, right, part, right, we'll say, right? right? Close enough. Right. So I think in that, like we've all heard before, and we want to stress the point that the lower body is, is key. In, in all of this, right? So our bigger muscles below the waist are really what are going to translate into the throwing arm, whether it's baseball, whether it's cricket. Um, so we want to make sure that that's all on point and everything. And, and this could go for any parts of any sport, but if, if one part is off, say, or if something is weak, say, in the lower body, somewhere else has to pick up the slack. And that somewhere else might not be able to pick up that slack. Right. So And that's where some injuries start coming in when we're not strong in some areas and over, you know, Overstrong, is that I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Similar, similar yeah. in the golf swing where you get all your power from the pelvis. I think yeah. it's, you get pelvis core, you know, 
exclude that area. I think that's a main focal point, but you treat it a little differently than if you're going to work your upper body, which has to function differently, but you still incorporate that into the program. So I think I kind of agree. You're hitting everything similarly in an equal fashion, right. but it's just knowing in your head yeah. what movement is required and what muscles are required to get that movement that you're building into the program. And just for the record, yeah. I want to play cricket. I want, I want <laughs> yeah. to go to India and play cricket. That's like a bucket list thing. I want to watch you play cricket. I, I, yes. I, I, I love this sport. I've never done cool. it, but it just looks so much fun. I would have the caveat that maybe you bias your lower body. Like you're just saying everybody right. tends to overlook legs in a throwing sport. Mm-hmm. Maybe you bias at a pinch more and knowing that coming up through the ranks as a youth athlete, they may not have got that enough. Right, yeah. Right. Coach. Everybody's doing their shoulder program, right. their bands. Exactly. They know, like, <laughs> which yeah. everybody was in not. That's <laughs> yeah. the problem. They know <laughs> shoulders. Like, yeah, they, know, they know the bands. Right. Whatever that is. <laughs> and I think, too, what we're not saying is to not train the upper body. We're not saying that. Right. And I think there's this misconception of, you know, say, getting tight up here. Oh, you know, I can't do right. certain upper body things, which is, it's a myth. I mean, sure, we don't want to be too tight up there. But if you do it the right way, design it the right way, you're staying flexible and strong up here. And you're not, you know... Um, yeah, you, you, yeah, there's a way. Yeah, there's a good balance. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well said. And you know, somebody yeah. might have a specific deficiency too that would that would sway them. But um, you know, with with throwing athletes, with rotational throwing athletes, I always kind of try to break down real easy. I say the lower body develops the force, the core transfers the force, and then the upper body dissipates the force. If you're not strong in any of those three, you're you're going to run into trouble. That being said, you can really break down the motion of the body and say that everything produces force, right? So if you break down a rotational sport, it's obviously explosion and, and rotational components of through the hips the spine but it's also the upper extremity as well i mean those, those you know your arms are moving into horizontal adduction and internal rotation i mean you're getting those components there so so yeah, just reiterating it's everything right. so you got to put it all together yep. good awesome all right and what else nick blair from washington dc <clears throat> asks how do you manage hypermobility in youth athletes what is effective and what is not so how do you manage hyper or hypo? Hyper. 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 Dave Tilly. I don't do any of this. I have no idea what you're talking about. Jim is a tight, right? Then yeah, I, right? How do you manage hypermobility in that? Yeah, similar question like a long time ago. But essentially for me, it comes down to a bunch of different things. So one is what is their demands of their sport need, number one. And two is what is their individual anatomy allow them to do. So see a lot of girls who come in and will have, you know, retroverted hips or will have, you know, different given, I guess, bony differences. And you have to consider that in their training program. So those two things are important with a good assessment. And then after that, it comes down to what are they doing? What does their sport think is the right way to gain their mobility? Because I find that many people are in like this stretch to impress method that they go as far as they need to go and always crank their you know range of motion to end range just because it looks, wow, that's impressive. But then you look at their sport demands and it's a fraction of what they actually are doing. So I pull a lot of people back. I say, like, you, know, you know, you have no problem with your mobility. Um, you need to make sure that you, you know, maintain it and then work more on strength, work more on control through your full range, more, work more on your programming aspects. Don't just only do mobility work. Um, and then you can dive down, you know, what is limited if it is truly limited, like they lose their motion, maybe it's soft tissue in their stretching capsule. Maybe it's somebody who has that bony alignment and they think it's their soft tissue, so they stretch more. So you got to really just, I guess, slice it up into pieces and then say, what do you need and how can I help you get there safely? And I think a big part of managing the hypermobile athlete, too, is education to Huge. their part. Huge. So we teach them these things. I, I always break down. I say there's two ways you stabilize, static and dynamic stability, right? This is what we all know as clinicians, but you got to educate them. Static and dynamic. So static is like your anatomy, right? Mm-hmm. Your joint, your capsule, your ligaments. Dynamic is your muscles. 
If you're a hypermobile athlete, then you have poor static stability. You have inherently poor static stability. It is what it is. It's no biggie. It just it is what it is. It probably makes you a good athlete. But you have poor static stability. So you have to have pristine dynamic stability. You have to have even better dynamic stability than normal. So that's kind of, that. to me, I think that's what you have to educate them. You say, don't be hypermobile, don't keep stretching. And you have to be super strong and super stable. You don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, and that's how we kind of do it. So, awesome. All right, good episode. I like it. Evan, nailed it. Yeah, good job, Evan. Contribute, buddy. I love it. Good stuff. (laughs) It's like being the baseball (laughs) (laughs) episode. Thank you guys so much. Another great episode. Go to MikeReynolds.com and uh, click on podcast and ask us some more questions down the road. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReynolds.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.